0: Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com slash SME today. Again, agorapulse.com slash SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who wanna know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Emily Hirsch, and we're going to talk about how to reduce your Facebook ad costs. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to hear things today that you probably have never heard before, and I think you're absolutely going to love it. If you're running Facebook ads or you haven't been running Facebook ads because you know it's too expensive or your ads are getting out of control, this is the episode for you. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, and if you're new to this podcast, would you be sure to follow this show? We've got some amazing content coming your way. Is your blog missing out on valuable Google search traffic? Are you spending hours creating amazing content and you get crickets? You need a guide, someone to help you discover actionable SEO and traffic building tactics that actually work. And your solution is the Blogging Millionaire Podcast with Brandon Gailey. Brandon gets more than 5 million monthly visitors from over 100,000 first page Google rankings. He knows what he's talking about. When you apply what you'll learn, you'll start to see every blog post compete for a first page ranking. You'll get tons of free traffic and start to see your business head in the right direction with every post you make. His listeners have gone from 10,000 to 100,000 visitors a month using his techniques. Open your podcast app right now and do a search for Blogging Millionaire to find Brandon's show. Then follow his podcast, and commit to downloading the last five episodes. The show has had more than 500 five-star ratings. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Emily Hirsch. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Emily Hirsch, If you don't know who Emily is, she's a digital marketing strategist. Her company, Hirsch Marketing, is an agency that helps educators increase their sales with paid acquisition. She's also host of the Not for Lazy Marketers podcast, and her course is called Market Like a Pro. Emily, welcome back to the show.
1: Yay. Thanks for having me.
0: So today, Emily and I are going to explore how to reduce your Facebook ad costs and who doesn't want to? give Facebook less money and get better results. I think everybody does. but before we go there, there are a lot of marketers right now who maybe have stopped advertising on Facebook because of challenges that have happened with you know iOS and privacy stuff or maybe they've just it's gotten really expensive for them to run ads and all that fun stuff. So what do you want to say to those people who are maybe a little skeptical about advertising on Facebook these days?
1: Yeah. I saw this come up a lot last year when iOS updates came out and people started seeing costs go up and kind of panic and decide, should I go to YouTube ads or should I jump over to Google ads? And, you know, the reality is that Facebook and Instagram are so unique in the sense that you can create ads that feel so organic and connect so well with your audience. And you really, as of now, can't replicate that on another platform. Those of you who have tried Google ads or YouTube ads, you know, it's a different experience. And so as long as your audience is on Facebook and Instagram, it still remains the number one social platform where majority of people, I'd say 95% of businesses, their audience is there. And therefore, my take on that is we need to adjust to the changes and continue to make Facebook and Instagram ads work for your company, which we'll talk about, you know, how should we shift the tactics, but they still are the number one place to advertise. And I know that backed by data of myself trying different platforms of, entrepreneurs and colleagues I have or clients I have who tried different platforms. And the reality is Facebook and Instagram still work so well because your audience is there and because you can create an experience that you just can't replicate on another platform.
0: Yeah. And while it sounds like it might be true that it costs more, I think what we're going to talk about ways is smart ways to use Facebook ads. I mean, like there was a day when everything was far less, right? I mean, everything seems to go up when there's demand, More demand than when there is supply, right? This is like business economics 101, right? Yeah. There's a limited amount of inventory.
1: For sure. I mean, I can remember five years ago, it was super inexpensive to run Facebook ads. And Facebook has actually admitted last year, they increased their advertising costs by 47%. So it's for sure gone up. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah. And there are businesses out there that have figured it out. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Like maybe there's an opportunity for you If you're not running Facebook ads and if you are running Facebook ads and you feel like your costs are completely out of control, well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's start with how you think we ought to rethink Facebook ads, given the changing environment that we're in right now.
1: Yeah. So first I want to start with, I think that in marketing, a lot of times this comes up where someone's like, well, is this dead? You know, fill in the blank, this platform or this strategy or this method, it doesn't work anymore. And usually that's because it's gotten more saturated as you were just saying. And so whenever that happens, usually it's not the blame of the platform or the strategy, but it's that the bar is now higher. You have to be better and you have to have better messaging and a more complete strategy. Whereas, you know, I started my company seven years ago and you could have kind of a half put together strategy because lead costs were so low. So it was okay if you didn't convert as many of them. And so now the first thing isn't necessarily rethinking it yet. I'll get to that. But the first thing is that, You have to kind of be faced with where's the holes in your marketing. And I think that's what's happened in the last year for businesses is the ones who didn't have their messaging and their strategy really complete and effective, that started showing for them. And that started to make a difference because of the increased ad cost. And so the other piece is, you know, knowing what I just said, of knowing that Facebook ads are still one of the most effective ways to market and to grow your brand awareness, to grow your leads and to grow your sales. You have to ask yourself not, is it time to jump to a new platform or find some hack or strategy, but maybe we should be rethinking the way that we're looking at Facebook ads. And if we know for a fact that Facebook ads give us the ability to put our content, to put our funnel, our strategy in front of the right eyes, how do we now make that work with the increased cost? So one thing that we've seen a lot of in the last year and what we've tested a ton, millions of dollars in ad spend tested this is increasing brand awareness ads. So actually increasing the budget that you're spending on content, because that's going to get this really valuable content in front of the right people. It's inexpensive ads, running a video ad, for example, or an ad to a podcast episode is inexpensive, but you're still reaching new people, which is kind of the goal with ads, right? And then also increasing your budget and the the percentage that you allocate of your budget to simple lead generation. I've started to see, because the numbers back it up, Things like PDF downloads or checklists or playbooks come back because they're less expensive. Because a lead who opts into a basic download, you're going to pay less than a webinar registration. And so you need to adjust maybe how you're allocating your marketing budget or how you're looking at your strategy so that you're still generating traffic and you're still generating leads, but it's at an affordable cost.
0: I want to talk about each of these, the brand awareness ads and the lead generation stuff, but I want to start with the brand awareness ads. I think any of us who are listening, who do any organic marketing on Facebook, which is probably all of us that are listening, know that our pages have dismal reach, right? And I believe that if your brand is not seen, then your brand is not thought about, right? And that means that, you know, you're posting to your links, all this stuff organically on Facebook and your audience isn't seeing that stuff. Well, then they're not thinking about you when they want to purchase whatever it is you want to purchase. They're not top of mind with them. Right. And in the past, we've gotten that for free. But over the last few years, especially since around 2018, that reach organically has gone down and down and down. So what I think I'm hearing you say on the brand awareness ads is to take some of your content and to pay to get it seen by the right audience. Why? Like talk about what does that do for the business? You know, help everybody understand that because they're not used to paying for that.
1: Yeah, right. And everything you said is exactly true. I mean, getting any reach organic has gone down on Facebook, on Instagram, on really every platform. So the concept behind this is you're already putting so much work into creating this content, into creating this valuable content. That's goal is to attract an audience. And Everything we want in marketing leads and sales has to start from brand awareness. Most of the time, it takes 7 to 10 touch points with you before somebody actually becomes a paying customer. And so now that organic reach is lower and you can't just post and get people to see that post, you have to put ad spend behind it. And then the benefit is that ad spend is actually really inexpensive. So that allows you to create retargeting audiences that you can send to, for example, a webinar. So let's play out a scenario where somebody, because this has happened to so many people, maybe you've been running webinar ads for years. But last year, your cost per webinar registration just went, it skyrocketed. It's $20, it's $25, and it just doesn't make sense. You can't pay that much and be profitable. Well, if you pivot your money and you put more ad spend, like let's say, 15% of your monthly budget when in the past you'd maybe put zero or 5% into your content. Now you're using ads to generate warm audiences, to generate people who watch your videos, for example, on your social media. Or if you have a podcast, they click that episode link, they go to your website, now they're pixeled, they're in this audience.
0: Or they even listen on Facebook now that podcasts are embedded in Facebook, right?
1: Right. And those audiences that happen directly on Facebook are also not impacted by iOS, which is like a side note really important because even if someone opts out of being tracked, whatever is happening in the app, they're still tracked.
0: First party data, right? So
1: people who watch your video, who engage with your profile, who share your post, who listen to that podcast, even if they opted out of being tracked, it doesn't count when it's in the Facebook app. So you can retarget those people still to your webinar. So in that scenario of, okay, my webinar cost per registration has gone way up. If you reallocate some of your budget and you put it towards that visibility brand awareness, now you have these retargeting audiences that you can show your webinar ads to and hopefully and as it should if it's working that will lower your cost per webinar registration and probably lead to a more quality lead because they've already seen your brand you know they've seen a video or a podcast or some form of content of yours
0: Love it simple lead generation can you just give an example also on that side of things like what's working like you mentioned that a very simple actionable thing seems to be working and can be very economical. Can you give an example of what this simple lead generation thing kind of is like?
1: Yeah. So a lot of times what I'm seeing is it still has to be extremely valuable. So it's simple in the sense that it's very focused. It solves one main problem. It's really hyper-focused on a specific problem that your audience might have. But it needs to be really valuable. So just like a one-page checklist may not be enough, maybe if the content's really good. But what I've seen work really well is like PDF guides that solve a specific problem. So some ideas that come right to my head are like growing your Facebook group strategies or how to double the leads you generate next month. Or if you're in more the consumer space, it could be something around your health or whatever problem you solve as a business kind of put into this guide. But it's simple in the sense that it's highly focused on actually giving them an outcome when they go to download it. So the key with them and how you're going to get really inexpensive leads is if the actual deliverable is so valuable that somebody would pay for it. It's so good. It's so valuable. And it's so desirable when somebody sees it that they'd pay for that. And it's a free download, which is going to lead to less expensive cost per lead for you when you go to run ads.
0: So something like maybe a video tutorial or a unique report that has really valuable data in and I would imagine could be very valuable to the target audience. Is that kind of what we're talking about?
1: Yeah. And... The video you could test, it's more like the PDF downloads. I see. Because you have to think about if it's less kind of barrier for the person who downloads it to consume it, which video is higher barrier because it's time for them. Same yep. with a webinar. That's where we're getting the cost per lead down because it's an easier ask for people.
0: Ah. Uh, now, if someone's trying to grow an email newsletter list and they're targeting on Facebook, could this be a way to generate emails so that they could nurture with their email list? Do you understand what I'm suggesting there?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So that you run the ad to an opt-in, they sign up to receive that, download that free gift. And then I'll add one strategy that you could test is maybe you put your webinar on the thank you page of that. So this is how you could rethink the strategy is if webinar, specifically, I think more complexly, legion, like webinars, video series, that's what's really gotten expensive over the last year. And so if it no longer makes sense and you can't afford that or you can't afford having the majority of your budget go there, maybe you reallocate it. And so somebody downloads a free guide or playbook or something that you put together as a PDF download, but then right on the thank you page, you invite them to your webinar. Now you've lowered the cost. You're getting more leads into your funnel that you can also nurture in email follow-up, but you're asking them to go to the webinar right there on the thank you page as well.
0: On these simple lead generation ads, are we driving them to a landing page or are we driving them to a lead ad?
1: Yeah, to a landing page is still best practice. We've tested the thing with lead form and Facebook will encourage you to test it and it does kind of overcome the iOS issue. However, the quality is still just not there. So you might get an inexpensive lead, but everything that I've seen when we've tested it is those leads don't turn into sales as much as they do when they're going to your landing page.
0: I'm going to ask a question that I know you're going to say it depends is the answer, but how low can the cost per lead be on this kind of a, an ad campaign?
1: Yeah, I mean, it totally depends on the industry. So I think if you're targeting B2C, you're in business to consumer, I've seen below a dollar still, which is crazy right now. And then if you're in more the B2B B space, I would say anywhere from five to fifteen dollars at the very most is kind of what to expect for lead generation ad cost. And, and then if you compare that to webinar, I've seen those go up to like 15 to 25 even $30 in some cases. So for a lot of people, that just makes sense. They can't pay that much cost per webinar registration.
0: I see what you're saying. So if you're, for example, B2B and you're used to paying more, this is potentially a third the cost of doing a direct right. to a webinar kind of thing, which is fascinating. Right. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks for answering all those questions. Let's talk about some things we can do to reduce our ad costs. So now we're talking to people that are already running ads, you know, that are concerned that they're out of control and they know it. (laughs) What should we be thinking about? You know, what can we do to bring these costs down?
1: Yeah. So the biggest thing this last year that I invested resources in because it works the most both for my team internal and then for our clients is the creative, is the copy, the messaging, and your overall ad creative. Kind of like I was hinting at at the beginning, I think that the last 12 months of marketing online has really pushed everybody to raise the bar. And I feel like now you have to work a lot harder to get the same result as what you used to get. And that's kind of just the reality. And so, The biggest thing that's honestly, and people don't always love to hear this answer because it means more work, but what's going to reduce your cost is you've got to stand out more, which comes from having the best messaging, which comes from being able to speak to your audience in a unique way. How are you going to stand out? You constantly have to ask yourself you know, whether it's a webinar, whether it's a free download, whether it's your paid offer, or it's even your free content, why should someone listen to this over the... 100 other options, right, that they have out there to consume that information or to see that training. And so communicating that and constantly refining the way you communicate with your audience is the best way to reduce your ad cost, both in your funnel, like communicating that in your funnel and, and your offer positioning, and also your ad creative. And so one thing I've noticed this last year is that the frequency at which you have to refresh ad creative has massively increased.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that. So how long before it kind of peters out, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, it totally depends on budget, because if you're spending a way lower budget, obviously it'll last longer. But at minimum, I would recommend that you refresh your ad creative once a month, meaning you get new versions of copy, new images, new video, and you test all of those constantly against each other. But if you're spending a higher budget, like let's say you're above $5,000 a month, I would do it twice a month. I'd be refreshing your creative. And most of the time, it's almost like constantly feeding a machine. That's kind of what the creative is like. It's like it's just getting hungrier and hungrier. It wants more and more new, new, because of the level of stimulation that our audiences are constantly asking for. And then the platforms are just trying to accommodate to that. And so anytime you see your ad costs start to go up, refreshing creative almost always is going to bring it down.
0: Why is that, by the way? Why does it bring the cost down? Is it because the ad's being shown more than once to the same person?
1: It's because the algorithm is favoring it again. It's fresh. It's new. They're pushing it out and it's new to both the audience. So yeah, if they saw it before, now there's like this new thing. But it's also Facebook. Your actual cost per impression typically will go down when you refresh that creative and you push it out again because it's new.
0: If you have something that's really delivering and you change it, Some people might be scared because it's doing so well, right? I mean, what if they've got an ad that's just crushing it? And if they make a change, is it going to potentially be negative? Do you understand what I'm asking?
1: Yeah. And I would never turn off something or change something that's working ever. Like leave that. The refreshing creative, what I would do is put in a new campaign. So typically what's happening is... Your ad costs, you've got one campaign or you've got a few campaigns, let's say with specific versions of creative. And then as those start to rise, what you want to do is have refreshed creative ready to go to launch a new campaign. So you're not redoing or messing up or changing anything of what's working. But naturally, those are going to start to saturate over time. And the cost is going to start to rise. And the mistake people make is they wait till the cost is like so high. And then they think, oh, I got to get new creative. But then that takes time to write the creative or to create the video or to create the image. And by then their cost has gone so far up, their lead volumes going down, and then that's impacting their funnel results. So if you can get yourself to a proactive place where you either have creative ready to go, creative and copy, or you're loading it into new campaigns. And as the campaign that was working starts to rise in cost, when that does happen, you're able to kind of scale that back and scale the new creative up, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. So if we step back and think strategically, let's say that someone listening right now has a campaign that's been running for more than a month and they're starting to notice it's getting a little more costly for the metrics that they care about, what part of the creative is going to move the needle the most? If they have limited time and resources, where should they start with what part of the creative? Do you understand what I'm asking?
1: Yeah, I would say either your headlines or your actual like image or video. So if you have limited time, probably I'd say the first thing you could do is just record a new video create new graphics, because that's really what stops people, right? That's the biggest thing. And then they either read the copy or you know, sometimes the headline might stop people. It's an argument constantly of like, what's more important, the headline or the creative. But I think if you have limited time kind of refreshing, maybe recording a video or using a reel that you could download as a video or getting new images would be like the first step.
0: Now, when you say headline, you mean the text below the graphic or do yeah. you mean? Okay. So what's better these days, images or video?
1: Yeah. The million dollar question I'm asked all the time. It's so interesting because we have accounts where it's completely different in one than the other. So you would think video would be the answer or even using Instagram reels and you could download that as a video and run that as an ad. But One thing that I found, especially in the last three months or that my team has found is that sometimes the video or the reel that's being used as the creative does actually get you a lower ad cost in terms of cost per impression or click through rate. But it's almost like it's capturing the attention but then it's not actually getting them to take the action. And so when you look at the big picture and you're looking at cost per lead or actual purchasers, sometimes the images actually perform better. So as a rule of thumb, I would always test both. And I would never rule out and be like, oh, forever it's images or it's video in my account because it could change next month. You just always want to have the difference. And we have some accounts where video and reels are like by far performing double as better as images and then some where it's the opposite. So it's super interesting. I think it also depends on the person creating them and their audience because obviously not everybody creates video equally just based on experience and skill and then some audience just respond to things differently. But it's also really important to pay attention to all the metrics because we have found maybe Facebook is going to favor the reel or the video and actually lower your cost per impression, but that doesn't always equal a lower cost per lead.
0: Obviously, images, generally speaking, are easier to create than video. They tend to be less costly unless you happen to have a crew in-house or something. What kind of changes should we be changing on images? Are we talking small changes, big changes? Like just help people understand how hard or simple this could be specifically with images.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're testing an image that doesn't have any text on it, it would be as simple as changing out that image, which is something you could definitely test. And then otherwise, you're changing the headline or the experience with the image. I think if you're going to invest in something in your marketing, it sometimes is your creative, if that's not your skill set, because it just makes such a difference in your success and your cost. So a lot of times we're really taking them to the next level with like moving images or moving graphics or text that, you know, moves on the image and takes it to that next level. And that uh-huh. ultimately is what's going to lower your cost because then you stand out right from all the other ads out there.
0: Got it. So if you have an ad that's doing really well and it's in the image and it has some text on it, maybe you just animate that. And right. that's the way of refreshing it is what I'm hearing you say, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What about reels though? You mentioned reels a couple of times. When I hear reels and I hear ads, those things don't mix together in my brain or maybe because I just don't understand. But does this mean you can take a reel and you can publish it as an ad and it will show up in the newsfeed? Like, how does that work exactly?
1: Yeah. So it's not actually yet like a reel placement ad, but you can download a reel as a video and then you can run that as an ad. And we have seen those perform really well. Obviously, we know Facebook and Instagram is in direct competition with TikTok. So both organically and paid, they are favoring that type of content. The one thing to note with that is obviously music. So when you download a video from Instagram, it doesn't save the music. So you'd have to put that in in some sort of editing app and then it has to be a royalty-free audio to run it as an ad. But you basically, it's just a video file and then you run it as a video ad, but it's the type of creative, right? That Facebook and Instagram is kind of favoring right now. So it's definitely worth it to test.
0: And it doesn't matter that it's vertical video. Somehow that'll still show up as a feed video or whatever. It will just drop the top and the bottom or something until you hit play or how does that work?
1: Yeah. What we typically see happen is Facebook and Instagram will kind of already favor it to the right platforms, to the right feeds. The reality is most people are looking at the videos on their phone. But what we'll see is if you use that type of creative and let's say you select automatic placement, it just gets naturally favored in the right feeds versus the other ones. So we just load it as a regular video and then typically put automatic placement.
0: Now, obviously, the easiest thing to do is to refresh the headline. So give us a couple of tips. We got an ad that works. Something as simple as changing the headline sounds like could really give it new life, right? So do you have any tips on how to make those headlines a little stronger?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think keeping it, especially today, it's keeping it really simple and not fluffy and being straight to the point about what is the benefit of the offer, whether it's free or paid that you're trying to drive to and why should your audience care about it? I really found really across the board with marketing. This is the true for email subject lines too. It's like cut out the fluff and make it straight to the point and really focused on pain points, benefits or dream outcomes that your audience wants is working the best.
0: Yeah, you say dream, I say desired outcomes, but it's the same concept. Now the text above the image, is that ever worth refreshing? Oh, for sure. Okay.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely worth. And again, it's like test long copy, test shorter copy. A lot of times Facebook will kind of cut off really at the top. So that first line that you have in that text is really important. You never know what's going to get someone to actually stop and look at your ad. But, you know, if I was to prioritize the order, it'd probably be the creative and then the headline and then the body copy. But they're all important and they can all be refreshed.
0: What's your thoughts about emojis inside of your copy?
1: Yeah, we still use them pretty frequently. The thing with Facebook and Instagram is the more kind of organic you can come off, the less you look like a blaring ad, the more chance you have that most likely your audience is going to pay attention, right, to that content. And so I think emojis do kind of soften what you're saying. And a lot of people write regular posts that way or they communicate that way. And so it's something to for sure test. I don't think you want to overdo it. You look really spammy if you have like 95 emojis in your copy. But using a couple to break it up and make it look more casual and organic is a great idea.
0: Okay. I've never asked this question, but can you put hashtags in your actual ad copy?
1: You can.
0: Is it ever worth it?
1: Yeah. I don't think they register though, like how it would work on Instagram where now you would like see it organically.
0: You probably wouldn't want to do that because the last thing you want them to do is click on the hashtag. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Yeah. I've only seen us do that. We've done that a few times if it's more like part of the copy, like yeah. not strategically for the hashtag, but it's part of the flow of the copy.
0: Yeah. Or maybe it's a unique hashtag for a particular brand or something like that. Okay. Right. All right. So you mentioned testing quite a few times. Let's dig in a little bit on things we should test. But up to this point, let's just do a review. We've talked about specific things that you can do to refresh your ads. And the first thing that you said is to consider refreshing either your video or your images. And whenever we refresh, it's as if Facebook gives it another boost, not a boost, but like it just kind of, I don't know, it, it favors it. It sounds like what you're saying, right? And we should do this at least once a month and depending on how much we're spending more than once a month but we should do it in a different campaign. So we don't have our winners get kind of like, you know, we don't want to stop our winners. And then you also said that the headlines would be the second best thing to test and focusing on like desired outcomes, right? Rather than just features is probably something people ought to consider to refresh their ads. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah. And I'll just add to that. of Make it your goal if you're running ads to get to a proactive place with this. Because I know so many people who feel like they're constantly behind in refreshing their ad creative because it does take time. But your results are going to do better if you already have refreshed creative in the pipeline before your existing campaigns start to go up and start to increase in cost. And then I have a saying of when in doubt and your ad cost is going up, refresh the creative. Like That should be the first thing that you do. And those two things will help you hopefully lower your cost and get to that kind of proactive place where you don't feel so reactive with your results.
0: Now, this next thing, which is testing, we're going to talk about should be a source of inspiration for refreshing your copy, right? Because if we get smart with our testing, we're going to learn things along the way that will lead to us having new creative, I would imagine, right? So what should we be testing? So many people don't test, but what are the things that you test or that you recommend people test?
1: Yeah. So, one thing this year that we've been testing a lot is going back to some of the things that maybe a year and a half ago, two years was best practice. So it's been interesting things like CBO campaigns compared to automatic campaigns where you adjust the budget in the ad set level or dynamic creative or automatic placement or targeting you know, lookalike audiences versus interest and demographic-based audiences. They've gotten a little wacky. It used to be last year before iOS that we would recommend all of the things that kind of were hinging on the algorithm of Facebook to create the success. That's where they wanted you to go. I mean, Facebook's vision for ads is like you load the ad and then they do everything else and their algorithm drives everything and it shows it to the right people and it targets the right people and it splits the budget up right. But with iOS, their algorithm got really wacky. They have you know, put out a lot of content too, saying we're rebuilding everything on the back end as it comes to optimizing and tracking. And so as that rolled out, one thing we saw was we need to start going back and testing not doing CBO campaigns or testing, not doing dynamic creative or not doing automatic placements. And not in every single case did it work better, but in some cases it really did, especially around automatic placements and then dynamic creative. Those things used to be best practices by far before iOS. And then that switched, which really emphasizes the point that nothing's forever in marketing. It's always changing and you always need to be testing. That's kind of Oftentimes, I feel like my number one answer to questions, I'll have, you know, people in our program or clients or somebody ask me, even what you asked of like video or images, and it's so strange, but it really is different in every single account. So if you're not testing, you might be leaving money on the table by not testing the alternative. And so that really comes down to how you set up your campaigns, CBO or not, dynamic creative.
0: Yeah, let's pause for a second. Campaign budget optimization is different than automatic placements or is it the same? It's different, right?
1: It's different. Yeah. So, campaign budget optimization means they take your campaign and they automatically spread the budget against your ad sets. And then, automatic, I don't know exactly what they call it. It's like ABO. I think it's automatic budget optimization or something. Or I don't know exactly what that term is, but it's how it used to be before CBO came out.
0: So, one is for the money and one is for where it goes. So, it sounds like CBO has to do with the budget and automatic placements has to do with the placements, right? So, that's the difference between the two. No? Yes?
1: Yes, automatic placements have to do with where they show their ads. CBO is how they split up the budget within the campaign.
0: So, do you recommend if we are doing CBO to test the exact same ad set without CBO, or if we're not doing CBO to test with CBO? Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah. Yes, test both. Most people are probably doing CBO since that rolled out like a couple of years ago and became the standard, but they still allow you to do it the opposite way where you control the budget in each one of your ad sets.
0: Got it. For those that are used to doing campaign budget optimization and haven't done the manual thing, any tips on how to allocate their budget?
1: I mean, at first you usually just spread it out evenly. So maybe it's, you know, $5, $10 a day or whatever the equal amount of budget is between all your campaigns. And then you're the one kind of picking the winners at that point and turning some off and then putting budget into the other ones. Whereas with campaign budget optimization, Facebook's doing that. Got it. And they're choosing where to put the budget. So I would start out even in your ad sets and then I would make adjustments and then just compare that to a CBO campaign and see if it's resulting in a lower cost.
0: Now, let's talk about automatic placements and we'll come back to the dynamic thing in a minute. What do we need to know about automatic placements? Because there was a time where I was hearing everybody say, just use automatic placements. That's the best. But is that true still today? What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah. So we've tested out recently, especially in the last three or four months, not using that. And in in some cases, I would say over half, it is working to not use it, which is super interesting. Again, I think it's Facebook's algorithm. is wonky and I think it's going to change back. But yeah, automatic placements last year was like, you just automatically did that. But then we started testing out going back to the feeds I think with iOS, they started putting more ads into like audience network, which is like their game apps
0: Yeah, because
1: then the data is not impacted, right? Because they're not leaving the apps, but we don't want our ads in audience network. So before it was like automatic placements, they favored the good ones, like the feeds and the ones that we wanted our ads on. But now they started to not do that and we don't want to spend money there. So we started testing out like just doing Instagram and Facebook feed, for example, as one of them and trying to control that a little bit more. And in some cases, not every case, but in some cases it has lowered the cost.
0: Very cool. Dynamic ads. Talk to me about what that is.
1: Yeah. So dynamic is dynamic creative. And it means if you have, let's say, three versions of body copy and you have an image and a video, and then you have three headlines, you load all of that into one campaign. And then you tell Facebook, you decide how to pair them, how to spread out the budget, and then where to put that budget based on what's converting. And... For a lot of last year, that was what did the best, especially once Facebook rolled this out. They really wanted their users to use this strategy. But again, we started seeing that they were kind of putting the budget unfairly, like 100% of it to this one thing and not even trying the other video, for example.
0: Uh, Almost like they would get a false positive on something too early, right?
1: Right. And so we started testing going back to WeChoose the creative inside of the ad sets. And I wouldn't say this one's been as impactful as the automatic placement, but in some cases it's worked better to do that because then we're able to give intentionally more even budget to the different versions of creative, where for some reason, Facebook out the gate was automatically putting you know 90% to the video and almost none to everything else. So how do you actually know what's doing better?
0: You mentioned lookalike audiences. So what's your thoughts on that? How should we be testing that?
1: Yeah. So with iOS updates, lookalike audiences have gone down in value because as Facebook lost its data, that's what they counted on, right? To create lookalike audiences. And so starting last year in the spring, we started retesting more demographic based or keyword based audiences again, where in the past lookalikes were consistently a winner because Facebook's algorithm and data was so much more powerful than anything that we could really like come up with in a targeting idea. But over the last year, they still work, but we've seen a comeback around typing in keywords and targeting, you know, for example, digital marketer or something that is a keyword and is more interest demographic based versus the lookalikes. And then the other thing to note with lookalike audiences is if you're creating one, the most accurate ones are going to be like uploaded email lists because those are for sure you have that data. So in the past, if you created audiences based off of, let's say, people who visited your thank you page of an opt-in, now, ideally, you actually go get the file of those emails and upload that because that is for sure to have everybody versus the ones that are based off of pixel data. They've lost that. Facebook's lost, you know, percentage of that data.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, right? So as a result, they have a... tiny little fragment of the true picture and that therefore those look like audiences might not be really valuable is what I'm hearing you right. say, right? Yeah,
1: so test both, test all of it.
0: Do we have less targeting options now as a result of all these changes than we did before?
1: Yeah, you know, last year with the data, they've taken out some things, especially around like job titles mm. and information that, you know, they essentially aren't supposed to have about people. Right. They did remove targeting options, but there still is a lot of keyword-based targeting options. And the reality is Facebook already had so much data. So they lost their data kind of moving forward with iOS updates, but they have an insane amount already you know, on their users that they didn't lose. But yes, we did. To answer that question, you did lose some targeting options. I know job titles was kind of a big one that got taken away.
0: So we've talked about campaign budget optimization on and off, dynamic, creative on and off, automatic placements on and off and lookalike audiences versus no lookalike audiences or versus keywords? Is that kind of how you would? Yeah, keywords,
1: interests that your audiences would have.
0: Are the interests also reduced as a result of all this iOS stuff? Do you feel like they're not as strong or do you feel like the interests are just as good as they've always been?
1: I feel like they're just as good, if not as some of them have actually improved for us, again, over lookalike audiences. So I don't think that too much was impacted there because the reality is Facebook is basing that off of interaction inside the app. A lot of times that people are having with profiles or types of content or different categories, right, of content. And so they didn't lose that data. They lost what happens when people leave Facebook and they go, you know, on the pixel, which really is impacted by a lot of lookalike type audiences.
0: They've added podcasting, as you may be aware, and, you know, I've added my shows up to Facebook and they automatically, if you will, promote it to our audience, to a tiny little fragment, of course. I'm just curious, do you know off the top of your head if there's a podcast target or a live audio room target, you know, like the audio people? Mm-hmm. I would imagine if it's not, it's coming because it seems like Facebook is embracing audio, you know, in the past where it was just video. Yeah. Do you know if there's any audio... Targeting options based on actions that people have taken?
1: Yeah, I honestly don't know for sure. I don't think there is yet, or at least it's not in every account yet. But I agree that it is probably coming. And they'll probably base it off of as that increases people consuming that type of content, then they'll start to put advertisements there.
0: What I love about the stuff that we're talking about for testing is not the typical things that people talk about when they talk about testing. You know, typically when people think about testing and they talk about the stuff we talked about in the refreshing question, right? Right. Once you've gone through these testings and you determine whether CBO or dynamic ads or automatic placements or lookalikes do or do not work for you, is there another level of testing, maybe a more granular level of testing that you recommend at the, you know, I don't know, the more creative level?
1: Yeah, I think the more granular level becomes the actual types of audiences that you're choosing. So let's say you test, you know, three lookalikes and three different interest or keyword based audiences. Now you're trying to determine out of those, like, what is your top converting audience so that you can continue to replicate that? Let's say you launch a new funnel or you launch a webinar, knowing that's helpful next time, right? Because it's kind of like a shortcut. You don't have to waste your money on the ones that didn't work. And you can utilize the ones that did. And then even deeper than that is, of course, the creative. So trying to test in your account, historically, do images do better or do images or videos do better or reels do better, long copy, short copy, longer headlines, short headlines, that's kind of the more depth that you can bring. But again, I think it's really important to not get stuck in doing something the same for months and months and months at a time, because it can change. And so I do see people make the mistake of, doing the same thing they've been doing for the last two years, for example, or three years with their ads. And the reality is so much has changed with Facebook and so much has changed with our audiences and the type of content they want that if you don't change with that and constantly have fresh ideas or things to test, you're probably losing money and paying too much for your ads.
0: Does Facebook make it easy for you to set up a split test? And like, you know how some tools make it super easy and they'll declare the statistical winner and all that? Or is it just a matter of you having to manually go in and look at the analytics?
1: You pretty much have to go in and look at the analytics. I guess with Dynamic Creative, to an extent, they may you can see like that the budget is going and the results are better on certain versions of creative. So that would be kind of like the closest I think they would get to that, that I would consider similar to like a split test of a landing page. But it is still you going in and kind of looking at the data and then understanding, oh, it's clear here that an image is doing better or, you know, a video is doing better.
0: What should we be looking at when we look at the insights? You know, how do we declare a winner, right? Because I would imagine there could be more than one way, right? To analyze the data.
1: Yeah and and there actually should be because you should be looking at click through rate as a really good indicator of creative, of copying creative, because that's obviously the percentage of people clicking on the ad. And if that is more and higher than the creative's doing well, but you have to balance that with also looking at the conversion number. So if your goal is cost per lead or cost per purchase, you might have a really high click-through rate, which is good, but you also don't want to have a really high cost per lead attached with that. And that can happen right? where you look at, oh, video is getting a really good click-through rate for me, but images are actually resulting and a lower cost per lead. So you should be balancing both of those to look at that, those stats and make sure you look at the big picture and not just one metric. But if I was to tie in, you know, maybe the top metrics, it would be click-through rate, cost per click, and then the actual cost per conversion on your ads.
0: Isn't it true though, that it's harder to track conversions now, right? It depends, doesn't it? Like if you're firing a pixel as your conversion, isn't that going to be a problem? I mean, how do we know whether it's accurately tracking conversions since we're living in this data isn't all getting communicated back to Facebook.
1: Right. Yeah, it definitely has been impacted. Facebook has been working on basically creating like guesses on where they think the conversions are coming from. And that is improving where they're guessing to an extent because they lost the data. And then there are softwares out there that you could utilize to try to verify your data or you could also duplicate your funnel so you have one just for ads and you know for sure your actual numbers but that doesn't help when you need to look at audiences to see you know which which are converting so i'm you know it definitely has impacted sometimes the accuracy that you can optimize because if you don't have the data how do you optimize but paying attention to multiple numbers like cost per click and click through rate because you didn't lose the data on those the cost per click and the click through rate is accurate it's the conversion number that you maybe lost and so you have a few options of potentially trying to use a different software or maybe using UTM codes and Google Analytics in combination with what you're doing. Or Facebook is improving and has said, you know, over the next several years, we're basically going to be guessing kind of like model of guessing where the conversions are coming from. And they most likely will get pretty accurate with that.
0: Well, and First-party data is what isn't blocked by many of these things, right? So if you have a system where you get a customer or a lead and you have their email address, well, that's first-party data. You could pipe that data back to Facebook and Facebook could look at that data and match it up and try to figure it out. I would imagine that's how a lot of these tools are working. Am I close or am I totally off?
1: Yeah, it still has to be based on, you know, a code or something that's being sent back to Facebook. But we do, you know, even before iOS, I have the practice in the process of having a separate funnel for ads because then you can tag the ad leads. So let's say you have a webinar funnel. You have two versions. You have one for organic and everything else you do. And then one for paid ads. And you only use that link for paid ads so that that first step you can actually tag them as a Facebook ad lead. And that one, there's no arguing that number. You know for sure the number of leads coming in because it's in your CRM. But two, I like to be able to track those leads so that I can see if they become a buyer in a year, if they originated from a Facebook ad, I'm going to know that from the tag, but I would never know that from a pixel. It doesn't keep the data that long.
0: Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, so if you can tag the lead or the customer in your system, whatever you use so that, you know, it came from that ad. And that's where that UTM stuff comes in really handy, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden you can match Facebook up against your CRM and you can kind of say, all right, according to our CRM, this came from Facebook and Facebook says there's one sale and there's one in our system. This must be the one. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow, it's getting more complicated, isn't it? I
1: know, that's not the ideal situation because you have to create all these duplicate funnels. But I've been doing that actually way before iOS because Facebook's always been off. You know, five years ago, they were off with their data. So this was the way to confirm 100% the number of leads or purchases at least.
0: Emily, this has been really, really valuable. I think hopefully for so many of our listeners, if they want to go discover more about you and all the things you've got going on, where do you want to send them?
1: Yeah, so my website's the best place, Hirschmarketing.com. My name's H-I-R-S-H, no C in there. And I've got a podcast, like you said at the beginning. You can check out our different ways that we support people in a done-for-you, done-with-you way, or just connect with me on social media. But it's all there at Hirschmarketing.com.
0: Hirschmarketing.com and uh, Not for Lazy Marketers is the name of the podcast. Yeah. Emily Hirsch, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. We really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 497. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long time listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world.